Hello and welcome to the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. Uh, so this week we'll be looking at uh, several different topics, including the funding gap between the UK and Germany and why it's actually smaller than you might think. We'll take a look at Google Ventures' most recent investment in Stockholm. And we'll also look at Angry Birds maker Rovio, who is cutting 260 jobs but still continuing with their movie. So to kick things off, let's jump right into the funding gap between UK and Germany. So last week on the podcast, we mentioned that Neil had been to Germany. We covered some of his impressions of the ecosystem there. And one of the key points that we raised uh, was that Berlin doesn't really see itself in competition with London. However, this may not be the case when it comes to venture capital. Neil, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, like I said last week, uh, one of the things that shocked me most was they, they didn't really care too much when it came to comparing themselves to London. But one thing that everyone seemed to agree on in Berlin, including their venture capitalists, was the fact that they simply can't compete with London when it comes to venture capital. However, I had a look at that following that, that remark uh, and looked at the numbers from this year to see if that was the case or not. So we actually took a look. Some of the numbers were essentially Germany raising 1.18 billion uh, versus UK's 1.67 billion. So it comes out to be a 490 million advantage for the UK. And that's just for the first half of 2015. The deal numbers are pretty close. So there's 106 deals that were done in the UK versus 99 in Germany. So what it looks like is the deal amount is close, but the actual amount raised is probably more varied. Um, do you think this is actually the case? Yeah, so one of the things that kind of skews these figures is the fact that Germany has so many undisclosed deals. Um, so if you look at the average round size of disclosed deals in the first half of the year, then Germany actually has a higher average. Their average round would be 20 million euros compared to the UK's 16.7. So all of a sudden, although the gap seems to be 500 million euro in total amount, if you actually look just at disclosed deals, Germany comes above the UK. But of course, most of the time a deal is undisclosed, it's normally at the lower end of the scale. So we probably have to account for that fact. And Germany had 40 undisclosed deals in the first half of this year. If we gave them, say, a nominal size of around 1 million euros, which is a lot more realistic, then we get an average round size of UK just over 16 million euros compared to Germany's 12.3. And I think that's a more accurate picture. Yeah, and I think when it comes to larger round of funding, we actually have perhaps a situation that we may not have expected as well. Yeah, definitely. So one of the most interesting things from running the numbers was on tech.eu, we've done a 20 largest rounds in Europe in the first half of this year analysis. And last year, we did one for the whole of 2014. So that's the last 18 months, essentially. And interestingly, so there's 40 in total, of course, in the last 18 months, Germany comes out with 12 of them compared to the UK's 11. So yeah, okay, maybe only beating them by one. But the point is, is that they can clearly compete with the UK when it comes to those big later stages. And it seems that when we actually look at the first half of 2015, the two countries are more or less equal in Q1. But when it comes to Q2, UK outperformed Germany by quite a bit. Um, what's going on there? 
Yeah, so actually, this is where I concluded, and it seems a bit silly to just say, well, actually, the difference between the two this year is just one funding round. But actually, if you strip it down completely, then that 490 million gap, 430 million of that came from OneWeb, a UK-based company who are putting satellites up to give internet penetration around the world, obviously got some big, big competitors in that space, and raising a lot of money. Um, And this was like a seed or series A round. So there's going to be more of these huge rounds from OneWeb in the future, which will go towards the UK's total. Um, But I guess my point was, you know, there's a 490 gap. One of those rounds was 430. Of course, Germany has big rounds as well. So, you know, you could argue, oh, yeah, but if you took out some of Germany's big rounds, then that would also affect it. But the point is, say that round didn't happen, the gap probably wouldn't be that big at all. And so with regards to Germany, I have to ask this because last week when we were discussing your experience there, you said that it was almost impossible to talk to people without rocket internet coming up. It was just everywhere. And I'm wondering, is that essentially what we can attribute Germany's success to in terms of funding? Should we be considering that a lot of this money is actually coming from rocket projects? Yeah, it's kind of the same point, really, in terms of OneWeb. In the same way, you know, you can't really just exclude OneWeb just because it happened to be a big round and skews the numbers. The same way, you can't exclude Rocket's investments. And they've clearly had a big impact on Germany's numbers, especially in those later rounds that I mentioned. You know, of those 12 rounds, I'd imagine that a a high proportion of them are Rocket-backed companies. And someone actually tweeted me after I did this analysis saying, you know, why are you including Rocket if you took them out or if you took company builders out, then the picture would look a lot different. And that might be, but at the same time, you could take OneWeb out of the UK. They're based in the Channel Islands. There's always these big companies that always have such a big impact on every country's funding, but it's often the same in all countries. So then overall, I think all of this balances itself out. I mean, another example is last year in the Netherlands, Adyen raised half of the money that came into the Netherlands. So the Netherlands looked like, oh, they had a lot of money last year, 500 million, but 250 came from one company. So this happens everywhere. All countries have kind of one dominant force which contributes to their funding numbers. So I think the best thing to do is just to leave them all in and just accept them for what they are. And so I guess then what could be the overall conclusion of the situation? I mean, it sounds like Germany can really hold its own and compete with the UK. Are they similar funding environments? Yeah, I think that the UK is still ahead in terms of more of a mature ecosystem and more of a mature investment ecosystem. But I think Berlin is certainly going to be, and Germany is certainly going to be catching London and the UK up. And that's kind of the point I'm making. I think that as more people become aware of the opportunities that exist in Berlin and Germany, the more that we'll see this gap close. And my point that I was hoping to make was it's actually already smaller than we think. So with this acceleration there, I don't think it will be long until Berlin, Germany catch up to London and the UK in terms of competing for venture capital. And it'll probably be sooner than people probably thought. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. Let's take a look now at Google Ventures' most recent investment in Stockholm. They invested in Resolution Games. So... This comes after a very long period of silence. Uh, Google Ventures in Europe uh, started to announce a lot more investments recently. The first one that they made in Europe was a 40 million pound investment in a music publishing company called Cobalt. Then I think as of this summer, they've just started announcing a whole bunch more investments, including one in an Oxford University fund called Oxford Sciences and Innovation. 
Um, they made more investments in startups, including a company called Lost My Name, Yieldify, and Secret Escapes. So the most recent investment is the $6 million investment. Obviously, you know the Nordics much better than I do. So can you tell us a bit more about this company? Yeah, definitely. And actually, the first thing to note is I think that the consensus was that this was actually a Google Ventures investment from their US branch and not their European branch, which is quite interesting. Because as you mentioned, that Google Ventures Europe has actually really just been about UK investments so far and later stage or bigger amounts like 40 million, 11.5 million. And this was a six million investment, six million dollars investment in Sweden, in Stockholm, in a virtual reality games developer called Resolution Games. And essentially, this is a VR-based company, like I said, and it's the biggest funding round in this area so far. They've got a strong track record, the team. So the main guy, he's actually attributed to being behind the success of Candy Crush Saga. Uh, and he was previously in a really high position at King Games. And his co-founder is someone who was behind Lifestylers, which was the first mobile game to ever pass 1 million users. And he also headed up Rebtel, which is a really successful Swedish telco. So the team is exceptionally strong. And Google Ventures invested, Creandum invested, Partech invested, Initial Capital and Bonnier Growth Media as well. So I think it's actually interesting. I mean, we mentioned, obviously, this is an investment done by potentially Google Ventures in the US. But I think it's interesting to look at these two, if you want to call them two entities. Um, So Ventures itself launched 2009. The US made its way to Europe in July 2014 with the launch of its $100 million fund, essentially dedicated to the next generation of European entrepreneurs. And in the U.S., they've done some terrific investments. I think this is a portfolio that just amazes me. They have Uber, 23andMe, Product Hunt, Nest, Medium, Slack, Periscope. I mean, essentially all the great companies. Europe, obviously, they're very, very recent. I guess I would consider it somewhat dormant for a while. I mean, they came in with a big announcement and then just went quiet for a while. So it's nice to see these recent investments that they've done. However, they did get quite a bit of criticism in Europe recently. I saw that Business Insider published an article in the beginning of August pointing to the departure of one of the GPs and uh, criticizing them for the use of an algorithm to source deals, which I don't really know if that's fair. Um, What is your take on this? Yeah, I think that it's, you know, a big name came into Europe. It was quite a big fanfare at the time. And then nothing really happened for a while. I mean, and it's only really in the last couple of months that they've started making some investments. I think it took them until, you know, it was beginning of this year, at least until they made their first investment and a couple more followed. And they've predominantly been in the UK, which I think is, like I say, another criticism of them is that they've been kind of very localized. Of course, they're based in the UK. um, And that's all that their investments have been so far. I think the most interesting thing about it is, like I said at the beginning, was that this investment in Sweden actually came from their US branch rather than their European branch. So, you know, there is a question that comes into my mind in terms of deal flow there. But at the same time, they appear to be focusing on a little bit more of a later stage with their investments being significantly higher than the six million investment and than their US branch just made in Stockholm. So perhaps it was just uh, an issue in terms of the stage of the company or, you know, they weren't looking there on purpose. Um, But I think that five European investments, five in the UK, Europe is a large place with some really exceptional companies from outside of the UK as well. So it seems a bit weird that they're not being active elsewhere. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you. But I think hopefully uh, maybe they'll be one of the contributors to Berlin's up and coming (laughs) funding ecosystem. 
All right, well, now let's go to the Angry Birds, I guess we want to call it saga. So Rovio, who's the maker of Angry Birds, is letting go of another 260 people, but still continuing to make the movie. So this year, they're letting 260 people go. Last year in October, they let 130 people go. I feel like they're not doing as great as they once were. Um, What do you think about this? I think it's not what we expected from them. No, not at all. I mean, it's actually quite a sad story in a way. If you look at the amount of people they let go last year and that they've announced they're letting go now, that represents nearly half of their workforce since December last year. I mean, in less than a year, you let go half of your employees. The official word is that they're streamlining and focusing on their core competencies. But, you know, if you're letting half your staff go, you clearly can't be in a good position. The downloads have been great. Even with their latest game, Angry Birds 2, it's almost like a little bit of a revival in a way. 50 million downloads in a month, which is great. And it's clearly not paying the bills, though, if four weeks later you announce you've got to let 260 people go. Um, So revenues have been coming down. I think their revenues for the year was somewhere around the 170 million mark. And operating profit was only 10 million. So it's, you know, it's minute, especially when you put them up against companies like King, like Supercell, who make these huge profits and see these huge revenues. And their franchise model has clearly not worked. The kind of the merchandising and licensing business is actually the one which is failing, if you like. Um, The games business is doing quite well, but that franchise effort that they've invested so much effort and money into is clearly failing. And I remember even the the start of the Angry Birds story was interesting because I think Rovio actually had to make a number of quote-unquote unsuccessful games to actually get to this one. But what I think is even a bit more strange about this situation is obviously you said that cutting quite a lot of people, essentially half their workforce, yet they're still continuing to work on the Angry Birds movie, which is a fairly significant budget. What do you know about that? Yeah, well, that's being viewed as their one last chance saloon to kind of turn things around and to really make a go of that franchise and merchandise business, and they're betting it all on that, essentially. I think the the success or the failure of that movie, however it turns out to be, will probably determine the eventual uh, future of the company. So this is kind of a very weird question to ask, but I guess Angry Birds was kind of a European success story a few years ago. Rovio, you know, just that was kind of like the Skype and the Spotify's that we all talk about. How should we consider them today? Do you think we should still consider them a European success story? Um, Yeah, they definitely were. They definitely are. They've done really well. I mean, the gaming business is incredibly hard. The one thing that I would say is that the valuation is clearly a lot lower than it used to be. I mean, there was talk at one time of them being valued at $9 billion, which is insane. I mean, that's actually more than Spotify now, our most valued European company. So there was clearly huge expectations for Rovio. They haven't met those. Recently, they were valued back down at about $2 billion about a year or so ago. I mean, to be completely honest, I would be shocked if they were over the $1 billion mark in terms of a, a company valuation right now. So they clearly not lived up to the expectations that, that we all had of them. But I would certainly consider them to be a success story. And one of the most interesting things about this is that all of those people that are going to be let go by Rovio are going to go into other Finnish gaming companies with a wealth of experience we'll continue to see big gaming hits come out of Finland because of the people that have been in Rovio. And the Finnish gaming scene is thriving, and they Rovio have played a big part in that. Yeah, and I think we'll also have to obviously wait and see what happens with the film. Perhaps it'll make a huge comeback for the company. We don't know. So uh, I guess we'll end it here. Yeah, so like we always say, please give us feedback on the show. Uh, we love to hear from you, whether it's negative or positive. We can take it. You can let us know in the comments. 
You can reach us on Twitter at Neil S. W. Murray or at Roxanne Vaza. Clearly, tech.eu is on tech.eu. We're on Twitter at tech underscore EU. And you can subscribe to the show both on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So that's all for this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.